Today we'll be in John chapter 9. So if you're using a pew Bible, it can be found on page 895. So John chapter 9. Please stand for the reading of God's word. John 9. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received the sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? 
Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. You can be seated as you pray. Father, speak to us through your word this morning, and may our lives be transformed through the work of your spirit as we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. What makes someone a good driver? Think back to your first driver's test. What was the best advice you were given? We know the obvious. You stop at a green light and go at a red light. Let's try this again. <laughs> stop at a red light and go at a green light. You make a full stop at a stop sign. You drive the speed limit. You hold the steering wheel with both hands. You avoid hitting the curb. You wear your seatbelt, and so on. But it's possible to follow all of these rules and still not be a good driver. Many people do these things, and they still cause car accidents. So then, what makes someone a good driver? In my opinion, a good driver is someone who knows they are blind. To be a good driver, you need to know you are blind. What do I mean? Well, the advice given to me on how to pass my first driver's test was, keep looking around. Just keep looking around. Look at your rearview mirror, your side mirrors. Look to the right, to the left. Look for pedestrians crossing the road. Look for bike riders, look for animals. Keep looking around. So that's what I did. I made sure that the drive test lady saw me repeatedly looking around by twisting and turning my neck over and over and over. <laughs> and by the end of the test, I had neck pains. <laughs> but it was important that I kept looking around because I wanted the drive test lady to see that I knew I was blind. I wanted to show her that I knew about my blind spots and that unless I turned my neck to see, 
those areas on the road that were blinded to me, I would be blind. So as every good driver does, I checked my blind spots. And by checking my blind spots, I was being safe, and I passed the test. But there are some drivers who think they can see everything on the road, and they refuse to check their blind spots, and they find themselves in great danger. So the difference between a good driver and a bad driver is this. Good drivers know they are blind, so they check their blind spots, and they do what's safe. While bad drivers think they see, but are blinded and are in great danger. Everyone is either a good driver and a bad driver. Or a bad driver, sorry. In John chapter 9, there's a man who's born blind. He knows he is blind. But Jesus performs a miracle and causes him to see. And like Jesus' other miracles in the Gospel of John, it is a sign. There's a purpose behind it. The miracle itself is not the main point of the story, but it points to something deeper, and we're told in verse 39. Jesus says, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So the point of the story is not that Jesus gives this man physical sight so that he'll just have a better life. No. The point of the story is rather that Jesus uses the giving of physical sight to show us what it truly means to see. And by seeing, Jesus means having spiritual sight. So those who think they have spiritual sight become spiritually blind, while those who know they lack spiritual sight receive it. People who claim to have spiritual sight become spiritually blind because they do not see Jesus for who he truly is, the Son of God. And in our story, these people are the Pharisees. They claim to have spiritual sight. They knew the scriptures. They appeared to be righteous. They were the religious leaders of the Jews. But they rejected Jesus because they didn't see him for who he truly is as the Son of God. By the end of our story, Jesus makes this clear. So in verse 40, some of the Pharisees asked him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. So the Pharisees turned a blind eye to Jesus, and Jesus turned their eyes blind. They said of themselves, we see. But their hearts were hardened to the truth. On the other hand, people who can say of themselves, I am blind, are made to see Jesus for who he truly is and believe. And this is what we see of the man born blind. First he was given physical sight, but by the end of the story, he receives spiritual sight when he sees Jesus for who he truly is and believed in him. And this is not only his story. Right? This is our story as well, the story of every Christian. Everyone is born spiritually blind, whether they realize it or not. We're all born living in darkness as sinners separated from God. But one day, we heard the gospel, for some of us maybe for the first time, for others maybe the 20th time. But when we heard the good news that day, that Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect life that we could not live, and that he took the punishment that we deserve for our sins against the Father, and that he resurrected from the dead so that we might be forgiven 
everything changed. And for the first time we could say of ourselves, I am blind. We saw our blindness, but our eyes were opened, the veil was removed, and the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ shone in our hearts. We saw Jesus for who he truly is, and we believed. And now we're able to say, I once was blind, but now I see. Praise the Lord. Has this been your experience? Do you see Jesus for who he truly is? Some of you might be hearing me and wonder, what are you talking about? I've always been a Christian. I've always been able to see. I have never been blind. Well, is it possible for someone to think they're a good driver while actually being a bad driver? Yes. In the same way, it's also possible to think you see but actually be blind. It's possible to think you're a Christian but actually be lost. So through the physical sign of this man receiving his physical sight, we learn what it truly means to see. And everyone either has spiritual sight or spiritually blind. So which one are you? Do you know that you are blind or do you think that you see? So the background to our text is chapter 8, where Jesus provokes the religious leaders in the temple by making some of his most controversial statements about himself. And probably the most controversial of all was, before Abraham was, I am. And by him saying this, he's not only saying that God is his father, but he's making himself equal with God. And when the religious leaders heard this statement, they took it as blasphemy. And they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, which sets the stage for the miracle in verses 1 to 7. So look at verses 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. This man had never seen light in all the years of his life. He was born blind, and he knew that he was blind. And we're told in verse 6 that this man was also a beggar. He was in need. So as Jesus went out of the temple, he saw this blind man outside begging. And as people passed by, they probably ignored him, probably mocked him, probably even threw stuff at him. But we read that Jesus saw him. And he saw him not in the way that we see beggars on the side of the road with signs and we awkwardly turn our heads away. No. The idea here is that Jesus saw him and he stopped and he stared thoughtfully. And it was enough for his disciples to catch their attention because they asked the question in verse 2. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They were sure that Jesus was thinking this while he was looking at the man who was blind. After all, everyone else in those days thought the same way. This is how they thought about disability and illness, especially from birth. Who sinned? In their minds, for someone to be born with a disability such as his, there must be a reason. There had to be a reason. And that reason was someone sinned and someone was being punished for their sin. Now, it is true that all disability is a result of sin, 
that came into the world through the fall through Adam. But they're talking about something else here. That's not what they're talking about. They assumed that disability, especially from birth, was always a punishment for sin. And this kind of thinking still exists today. I've come across many stories online of parents who have either been blamed or have blamed themselves for their child being born with a disability. Some of us at times may be tempted to think in a similar way about our suffering. We may at times ask, why would God allow me to face this horrible suffering? Is God punishing me for my sin? So the disciples asked, was it this man's sin while he was still in his mother's womb? Did he kick too hard? <laughs> or was it the sin of his parents before he was born? Was he conceived out of wedlock? In their minds, it had to be one of these two reasons. Because that's how it worked. Disability was always a result of sin. So which was it, Jesus? Him or his parents? And Jesus' answer in verse 3 was, no. He doesn't even bother to answer the question because they've got it all wrong. They were asking the wrong question. Instead of asking, what is the reason for his disability? They should have been asking, what is the purpose for his disability? And this is what Jesus wanted to show them. And this is what he wants to show us. There isn't always a reason for suffering, but God always has a purpose. And in this case, it was that the works of God might be displayed in him. God has a purpose for disability and suffering that goes much deeper than anything that our human minds can conceive. This man's disability from birth was not a punishment for sin. It was for the glory of God. And Jesus explains this further in verses 4 and 5. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This was the purpose for which Jesus was sent into the world, to glorify God by doing his works. Okay, so what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, Okay, so think about those annoying tow trucks at night who shine their bright headlights. I don't think there's any tow truck drivers here, so <laughs> just in case there is no offense. But <laughs> so when they're coming towards you, they blind you with their bright headlights. But when you follow behind them, their bright headlights help you to see. So in the same way, Jesus, the light of the world, blinds those going in the opposite direction of him in rejection, but those who follow him he causes to see. And this is what he said earlier in chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus' purpose in the world was to shine the glory of God in the darkness by doing the works of God, that some would follow him and be saved, while others would reject and be judged. And his disciples would join him in this work while it was day, which means while he was still with them. The time was coming, night, when Jesus would no longer be with his disciples in the world because he would be taken from them. But at this point in the Gospel of John, it was day and the glory of God was to be on display. So after declaring himself to be the light of the world, 
Jesus proves it by opening the eyes of this blind man to see. This is what we see in verse 6 and 7. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. For the first time in this man's life, he was able to see. Light entered into his eyes. He saw colors. He saw his parents. And for the first time, he saw himself. As he washed the mud off his eyes at the pool of Siloam, and he looked, he saw his own reflection in the water, and he knew that he could see. What an amazing miracle. Jesus gave a man born blind physical sight, and he came back seeing. But we should ask the question, couldn't he have healed him by just speaking? Why did he feel he had to put mud on his eyes? I think there's something deeper going on. As I've already stated, the giving of physical sight was a sign that shows us what it truly means to see. So I think that as soon as Jesus anointed the man's eyes with mud, he received physical sight, even though his eyes were covered. But Jesus' purpose for the mud was to show that although the man had physical sight, he wasn't yet truly seeing. The mud symbolized his spiritual blindness, and it shows that he still needed true spiritual sight. So when Jesus sent him to go and wash at the pool of Siloam, he obeyed, and it was the beginning of what will result in him receiving spiritual sight by the end of the story. Then Jesus disappeared. So when Jesus is gone, this formerly blind man who now sees became the central character of the story. And he came to his neighbors, his neighbors who knew him as the town beggar. They saw him and they were confused. So they talked about him right in front of him. Have you ever been with a group of people who started talking about you right in front of you and not directly to you, even though you're standing right there? Well, maybe they ask questions about your life instead of asking you while you're standing right there. And maybe you're thinking, hello, standing right here, I can fully hear you. That's probably what happened here. So the neighbors were like, this is him. No, it isn't. Yes, it is, I promise. No, it's just his lookalike. And the entire time he kept saying, hello, it's me, I'm the man, I'm standing right here. So he told them what happened in verse 11. The man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said, so where is he? And he said, how would I know I was blind? <laughs> uh, an amazing miracle took place that day. As Jesus did something that had never been done before. And now the tension of the story begins to rise because there's a problem. This man was born blind. And now he sees. And he's saying that Jesus is the one who healed him. And so his neighbors brought him to the Pharisees so that they could hear this man's testimony. See what they thought. Remember, the Pharisees were like bad drivers. 
They thought they could see everything. But they rejected Jesus. So, when the Pharisees came to the formerly blind man, they asked him how he received his sight, and he replied briefly. He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. And when the Pharisees heard this, this was their reply. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But did they even hear what he said? What about the miracle? They just ignored it. Jesus had just performed an amazing miracle that had never been done before, and their reply was, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath? Their focus was on the wrong thing. Now imagine going to Niagara Falls with a friend who's never been there before, and you want them to see the amazing and beautiful falls. So you take them to the perfect bench to sit down where they can behold the wonderful falls. But when you ask them what they think of the falls, they say something like, wow, this bench is horrible. <laughs> it has bird droppings all over it. What about the falls? Did they even hear what you had to say? That person's focus was on the wrong thing, so they're unable to be amazed by the falls. But the problem was not with Niagara Falls, the problem was with them. They're so focused on the faults of the bench that they can't even see the falls. And so, the problem wasn't with Jesus, the problem was with the Pharisees. They were so focused on their man-made interpretation of the Sabbath that they couldn't see Jesus as the one sent from God, even though it was undeniable. But there were some of them who said in verse 16, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? So these Pharisees didn't deny it because only God could have performed such an amazing miracle. And if Jesus performed this miracle, and the problem wasn't with Jesus, the problem was with their bad interpretation of the Sabbath. And maybe they couldn't see as well as they thought. So there was a division among the Pharisees. Some of their own were coming to see Jesus for who he truly is, which was a problem for them, because there was no more unity. But with undeniable evidence of the man who was born blind, and undeniable evidence that Jesus had given him sight, you'd think they'd all see, right? Wrong. Verse 18 we see, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight. There was a problem but the problem wasn't with Jesus. The problem was that they were blind. And the solution to their problem was right in front of them, but they rejected it. They looked for another one. So maybe they began to brainstorm, like, okay, maybe he was actually not born blind, um, but something happened to him as an infant, and he became blind, and then magically his sight came back. Let's go ask his parents anyway. So we see, they ask his parents, and they have three questions for his parents. One, is this your son? Two, was he born blind? Three, how does he now see? So in verse 20, his parents answered, we know that this is our son, check. We know that he was born blind, check. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes, X. 
They don't answer the last question. In other words, we know what's going on, but we're afraid of you Pharisees. We don't want any trouble. We don't know that Jesus guy. Our son is old enough. Go ask him yourself and see you next week at the synagogue. They were of no help to the Pharisees. And as one commentator puts it, the Pharisees faced a serious conundrum. There was too much evidence on the man's side and none on theirs. So in their final attempt, they decided, it's time to get aggressive and force him to say what we want to hear. So in verse 24, they said to the man, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They had no other solutions, so they used their power to pressure him to deny Jesus. And this was a big deal. Would he give in to the pressure, like his parents, and deny his testimony about Jesus? So we see in verse 25, he responded, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. You guys say he's a sinner. But guess what? I know that he opened my blind eyes and I can see. And I have evidence. I am the evidence. He refused to give in to their pressure. And ironically, he does give glory to God. And now it was clear that the tables had turned. This man had proven his case. And he discovered that the Pharisees weren't actually interested in Jesus at all. They had already rejected him. So when they ask him again, verse 26, how did you open your eyes? The former blind man began to mock their spiritual blindness. In verse 27, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And the purpose for which Jesus had come was accomplished. Those who claimed to have spiritual sight became blind, while those who knew their blindness received spiritual sight. And in the story, we see it happening gradually. The former blind man came to see Jesus gradually. First, he saw him as a man, and then a prophet, and then a master to be followed, and then the Son of God. On the other hand, the Pharisees, they saw Jesus as a sinner, and then a sinner, and then a sinner. And then they called the former blind man a sinner. And then they threw him out of the temple. But then Jesus appeared again to the man and revealed himself to him. And Jesus says in verse 35, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. The formerly blind man had received physical sight, but it was his spiritual sight that caused him to truly see Jesus. So why is it that the Pharisees, who knew and studied scriptures well, are made blind 
while this blind beggar who knew nothing was made to see. Because those who think they see everything become blind, but those who know they are blind are made to see. Jesus teaches us here what it truly means to see. You are either spiritually blind or you have spiritual sight. You either see Jesus for who he truly is or you reject Jesus for something else. So the question is, do you really see or are you blind? Some of you here might be blind and not even know it. You might have heard many sermons, many clear gospel presentations, maybe even brought up in a Christian home. But you've never come to see Jesus for who he truly is as the Son of God. Believe in him and worship him. And maybe you've even learned to adjust in the church. Maybe you made a decision as a child. But you have no place for Jesus in your day-to-day life because you'd rather have your secret sins. You're satisfied without him. In your heart, you've rejected him. And if that's you today, you are in great danger. Like the driver who thinks he can see everything on the road and speeds without checking his blind spots, you're in danger of a serious crash. Everything might seem, not, not, everything might seem fine for now, but judgment is coming. And here's what Jesus says in John 12, 48. The one who rejects me does not receive my words. He has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So Jesus is saying to you, be blind. Know that you are spiritually blind. Know that you are a sinner. Confess your sins and receive the light of life that is freely offered to all who believe. And many of us have received that spiritual sight. We've been transformed. Our eyes have been opened. But, just as a good driver can become a bad driver, even those who have spiritual sight can become blind. When we begin to think we can see everything, and we stop seeing our need for Jesus, we become spiritually proud and blinded to the sin within our own hearts. We can think we're okay because we know the Bible, but regularly watch pornography. We can think we are okay because we pray well in public, but regularly gossip about others. We can think we are okay because we lead a church ministry, but refuse to forgive our brother and sister. We can think we are okay because we teach the Bible, but we despise our wife and children. We can think we are okay, but not actually be okay. It's very easy for us as Christians to be blinded to the darkness of our own hearts. Our eyes have been opened to see the light at the end of the dark tunnel. But if we think we have enough sight and we stop drawing near to the light, we will be consumed by darkness. Even when we've come to see Jesus and believe in him, we need to keep seeing how desperately we need him. We need Jesus. So keep looking around. See your need for Jesus. We are blind beggars with nothing to offer, but Jesus has made us see. And by his grace, we will continue to see.
Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, cause us to see Jesus, your Son. Open the eyes of our hearts so that we would believe in Jesus and worship him. In Christ's name, amen.